Welcome back to At The Buzzer. I'm your host, Campbell Klein, joined by my co-hosts, Andrew Lubliner, Tyler Fertel, and Dean McCollum. Today, we have a World Series podcast. Last night, the Dodgers clinched their first World Series title since 1988. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. The first topic I'm going to propose is Clayton Kershaw's performance this series. He got this Dodger team two wins this series, including a Game 1 victory, which was extremely impressive by him. He pitched, I'm pretty sure, six innings, eight strikeouts, and only gave up one run in an 8-3 to three win over Rays ace Tyler Glasnow. Andrew, you want to add on to these two wins from Clayton Kershaw and how this is going to affect his legacy? Yeah, um, I think that he kind of proved all the haters wrong with this series, uh, especially game one. He pitched phenomenal, and then again in game five, he pitched phenomenal. Um I mean, he. I know he struck out a ton of Rays batters, which is something the Rays don't do very often. Um, they're a very uh, contact-heavy team. They put the ball in play. They make the defense work. But Clayton Kershaw was just fooling hitters uh, both times that he pitched. And this, I mean, with this ring, he kind of cemented himself, uh, cemented himself as the greatest pitcher of this era. I mean regardless of whether he actually won a ring uh, World Series, I think people would have thought that he was the most talented, but to see him actually win a ring, that just proves that, you know, what he did um, ended up uh, leading uh, the Dodgers to a, um, a ring because he was probably their best pitcher in the series. I mean, they only needed uh, Walker Buehler once, so I guess that's a positive, but Kershaw had two great outings and a lot of uh, Dodgers fans, especially in the stadium, questioned Dave Roberts taking Clint Kershaw out a little early when he was rolling in Game 5. But, you know, the story of Clint Kershaw's career has been not performing in the postseason, blowing leads late in games, just like last year. I was in attendance for when they played the Nationals Game 5, those back-to-back home runs. Um, and so I think he, uh, with this ring, he proved everyone wrong, and he really cemented himself as a first-ballot Hall of Famer and definitely the best pitcher of this decade. Uh, Andrew, that is exactly what I was about to say. I was about to say he cemented his place as a first-place Hall of Famer because the only thing people are questioning him about was his playoff performances. But he definitely, like you said, showed those haters wrong. He did great in that first game when he set the tone for the series. 8-3 win for the Dodgers, and you know what? They didn't They didn't stop there. 4-2, similar to the Heat-Lakers series. They ended in six with the L.A. team coming on top against the Florida teams. So, uh, yeah. And Kershaw, along with Walker Bueller, Tony Gonsolin, and a couple other their starting pitchers, I think you can say that Kershaw is back to form as a number one starting pitcher along with Walker Bueller. I think that they can definitely battle for that first spot going into next year on that Dodgers roster. I think that Kershaw showed that, like you said, he is a first bout Hall of Famer, and he can get back to that All-Star game. So another topic I'd like to talk about, and I'm sure you guys want to talk about too, is Ray's rookie. Randy Arozarena. Sometimes I fail to pronounce his name, so that might happen later in this podcast, but Arozarena was pretty much the Rays' whole offense throughout this whole series. He was ridiculous. I saw so many times on Instagram and Twitter, Arozarena breaks another postseason record, most hits, most home runs. I lost track of how many records he broke. So, Andrew and Tyler, what, what were you thinking whenever you saw Arozarena come up to bat? And it seems like every single time he came up to bat, something good was going to happen for that race team and something bad was going to happen for Dodgers fans. All right, Campbell, as you said, Randy Rosarina's stats were just absurd. And every time he came to the plate, it seemed as if the Dodgers were going to try to have to pitch around him. And whenever they, uh, even if they tried, I mean, he still, 
was amazing. And he was kind of the backbone of that offense. He carried the Rays offensively, um, obviously with their great pitching, but he carried them uh, to the World Series. I mean, he had so many big moments uh, throughout the playoffs. There was one point in the ALDS where he uh, hit a home run in three straight games. There was another point uh, in the ALCS where he scored in the he scored um, uh, batting uh, third in the first inning uh numerous games in a row and here uh in game six he was their only offense he was their only run and that just kind of shows what he means to the Rays and going forward uh I don't know if he'll ever be able to recreate this insane postseason he had but if he can be just as good or maybe even better throughout the course of a full season the Rays might have themselves uh a uh, really good player, really good potential MVP type player because, you know, he's fast uh, on the base pass as well. He can still base his end. He's a great fielder. Um, and that, that just goes with the insane hitter that he is. So he's definitely a pleasant surprise for the Rays and uh, other teams in the league are going to have to watch out for Randy in coming years. Yeah, for sure. Randy Rosarena put on a show this postseason. He had the most home runs for any player all time in the postseason. I mean, you just saw in that World Series, Dodgers pitchers were struggling to strike him out, struggling to even get an out off of him. I mean, in that game six, probably it was the biggest game of the series for the Rays because they were down 3-2. I mean, they ultimately lost. But Randy Rosarena put him up in that first inning with the home run opposite field. So... Yeah, he just did a great job all postseason, just helping this race teams get to that World Series. And I saw something, and I was talking to a couple people yesterday when the Dodgers won, and they said that Randy Rosarena seemed similar to what Yasiel Puig was when he had a very good 60-game stretch when he was younger. And I really hope the Rays think that he's going to be better than that. Because after that, Yasiel Puig, I mean, he was always a good player, but he wasn't as good as he was there for the rest of his career. And I mean, his career is still going, but I don't think he's on a roster right now. So I think the Rays really hope that they have someone who can produce as much as he has this year in Randy Rosarena for many, many years to come. And personally, I think he can. I mean, I think he can definitely be an MVP candidate if he can keep somewhere close to what he's doing right now up. And I think that, yeah, he had just a great postseason and has definitely made a name for himself in the MLB. Uh, yeah, as you guys said, Rosarena's obviously a really good player, a great talent, backbone of that Rays offense. Pretty much as a Dodgers fan, every time he came to the plate, when he hit a single, it felt like a prayer because it felt like half the times he came to the plate, that ball was out of the park. So a walk or a single, I was totally fine with, and he was just the backbone of that offense. And now I want to talk about the backbone of the Dodgers offense. You can tell me if you disagree, but I feel like it was Mookie Betts and obviously World Series MVP Corey Seager. It just felt like both of them had extremely timely hits. Mookie had a few bad games in there in games four and five, but he really came up big when it mattered. He hit two big home runs. He he found ways to get on base by working back from 0-2 counts. And then obviously Corey Seager had some games where he just went four for five and he felt unstoppable. And pretty much every time there was a man on second and Corey Seager came to bat, it was pretty much an automatic run. So, Yeah, Mookie Betts. I mean, he didn't have as good of a batting average as I think people would have liked, but he came up clutch when he needed to. He definitely deserved the contract that Dodgers gave him by giving them a World Series win in his first season 
And I think that talking about Corey Seager, I mean, it, for me at least, it was a battle between him and Clayton Kershaw for the World Series MVP. I mean, it seemed like Clayton Kershaw definitely had a good chance at it because he went 2-0 and in the playoffs, but there's no reason they didn't shouldn't have given it to Corey Seager. I mean, like you said, he played crazy through this whole playoffs. I mean, he had a great postseason, a great World Series. He and Mookie Betts, and I mean, we can go through every single player they have. Kike Hernandez came up clutch in the third round of the playoffs. I mean, Cody Bellinger was good. Justin Turner was good. We can keep going on. Will Smith was pretty good. Austin Barnes was good behind the plate, but Corey Seager got hits when he needed to. He was very consistent, and Mookie Betts had that boom mentality and that boom potential every time he got up to bat. So, like you said, I think they're both MVP candidates, NL MVP candidates going into next year because, I mean, if they can play like this going into next season, if Mookie can get his batting average a little up and Corey Seager can keep being this consistent, I see no reason why the Dodgers can't repeat. They will have a tough Padres team to go through next season too, but uh, Dodgers looking good. Um, I'm going to address a few things Tyler said. Uh, first off, uh, talking about Corey Seager, um, he's obviously the hottest hitter on the Dodgers right now. I mean, he's just um, ridiculous throughout the whole postseason. I mean, if you had to um, give them like a postseason MVP, it's Corey Seager by far. Obviously, he won um, the NLCS MVP and now World Series MVP. He was the best hitter, but I think uh, actually the most impactful player was Mookie Betts just because the way he um, impacts the game uh, on defense and obviously at the play, although his hitting numbers aren't the best they've ever been in his career, but I mean, the amount of bases he steals, um, I mean, there are some routine, I mean, you see uh, certain plays like last night, infield in, everyone um uh, on the grass, uh, ground ball, Corey Seager hit a ground ball right to first baseman. And I mean, for most players in the MLB, if you're running on contact there, you're thrown out nine times out of 10, but because Mookie has such a good jump and he has a great IQ and he's obviously super fast, he's able to score and, um, put the Dodgers ahead two to one at that point, which was pretty much the, the shifted the entire momentum of the game. Uh, and obviously that he had, he hit a, nice uh clutch home run uh in game six which is kind of an assurance run to kind of uh make his case for world series mvp although he didn't win it but i think that he impacted the dodgers in more ways than anyone else did and i think he was kind of that missing piece um that took a little pressure off of guys like kershaw and took a little pressure off of guys like uh turner and muncie and smith to not be uh unreal every postseason because in terms of the postseasons, um, there are some players on the Dodgers hitters, uh, one of them being Cody Bellinger, who was really struggling in the postseason. But this year, uh, he had a good postseason, and Max Muncy has struggled greatly in the postseason in the past, and he had a phenomenal postseason. I mean, every time Max Muncy's at the plate, the announcers are always talking about how he's such a patient hitter, and um, he never swings at pitches out of the strike zone. So I think Mookie Betts coming there took a little pressure off of the other guys on the Dodgers, kind of that main core that's been there for the past uh, two, three, four years, and I think that's really, um, I mean, that's really why they won this World Series. Mookie was the missing piece that they needed. Yeah, as you guys were saying, Mookie's really just the backbone of this team. He just brings such great energy on both sides of the ball, and it just feels like every single time he gets on base, he's stealing second, putting himself in scoring position, and there's just nothing the opposing team can do about it. So, obviously, a great postseason by Mookie. 
And now we're going to move on to probably the best game of this series. In my opinion, the Dodgers should have won this series 4-1. to one, But there was a game four miracle for the Rays. In the bottom of the ninth, we have Kenley Jansen coming into the game. He gives up a broken bat single, then a walk, and then comes up, I think it was Brent or Brett Phillips, correct me if I'm wrong, who hits this blooper single out to center field. Chris Taylor fumbles it. The first run scores, a Rosarena coming around third. Chris Taylor finally retrieves the ball, throws it into Max Muncy. Muncy throws it to Will Smith. Will Smith goes for this miraculous uh, swipe tag. Meanwhile, a Rosarena is on the ground in the middle of third base and home plate. The ball gets loose. A Rosarena dives on the ground and just smacks home plate three times. And the Rays win that game four, giving them or tying the series up at two apiece. That was extremely, to, extremely tough to watch as a Dodger fan, but you know it all ended out. It, it ended up okay. Uh, Andrew, how were you feeling when you were watching this? I mean, I don't think I've ever seen in all sports anything like that. That was truly amazing. Um, uh, I mean, first off, Kenley Jan. I mean, it's just going to add to the reputation that Kenley Jansen has about pitching the postseason and blowing leads and I mean uh, as he said in an interview later like one of those singles was a bloop single and if Taylor doesn't fumble the ball and gets a clean throw in then a Rosarina doesn't even think about rounding third because um, when a Rosarina rounds third you have that pressure on the cutoff guy which was Max Muncie at first and the catcher like okay you got to quickly get it in and quickly throw the ball to home to get him out and you know Will Smith he's under the impression that a Rosarina is going to be at home plate by the time he catches the ball so he goes for the quick catch and the swipe tag thinking he needs to get the ball uh, down as fast as possible but really Rosarina as you said Gamble's tumbling on the ground in the middle of the base path um which I, I it was just a crazy sequence of events. And I think it's funny that the one time the Dodgers had a, a big air uh, in this series was the one time Cody Bellinger wasn't out playing in center field. Um, he was the DH for that game due to some back uh, issues he had, which was the only game he wasn't in center field. And I heard some people talking about how his defense in center field is just ridiculous. The jumps he gets on some balls. And, you know, maybe if that is Cody Bellinger out there in center, uh, he fields it cleanly because um, he's more used to that position than Taylor is, who's normally a second baseman or left fielder. And Cody Bellinger probably gets that ball in cleaner and saves at least um, the winning run from scoring. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of people are thinking about who's to blame on that play, and there's definitely uh, the fielders. But, I mean, when it comes down to it, Kenley Jansen, he's just got to pitch better, and he, um, he gave up a, a hit on a tough pitch, but – you know, um, that's just what it's been for him in the postseason in years past. For sure. I mean, there were two errors on that play. I think that you can definitely blame them, but it all started with the pitcher. I don't know if the Dodgers can go into next year trusting Kenley Jansen to close games for them. In close games, one run, two run games, I mean, I just don't feel like they can completely trust them. I, him. I feel like they have other players like Blake Trennan, Grotterall, I mean, they got a lot of good pitchers, uh, like Alex Wood, too. So I feel like they definitely have a bunch of good relievers and other closers other than Kenley Jansen that could maybe get the job done, too. But, I mean, Kenley Jansen definitely has to step it up if he wants to keep his role as the closer. And for Chris Taylor, yeah, you got you to gotta make a better play than that. I mean, 
biggest play of the game. It decided the game. He has to make that play if he wants to help his team win. I mean, they lost that game. Will Smith was a little rushed. He didn't realize where Rosarena was, but just bad sequence of plays for the Dodgers, and they had to go into game five, uh, tied 2-2. Uh, yeah, all around a pretty terrible play by the Dodge, by the Dodgers' defense. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, I think that's on Dave Roberts. Kenley Jensen simply isn't built for the postseason, and I think the Dodgers are failing to accept that, and hopefully they can make that change next year. Now we'll move on to the final game of this series, Game 6, in which the Dodgers took home a 3-1 to victory to seal the World Series. And I think the main storyline of this game is not the Dodgers winning the game. It's actually Blake Snell being pulled from the game, I think in the sixth inning, correct me if I'm wrong, after giving up one base hit. He did not give up one hard hit ball all game. Kevin Cash comes up to the mound, takes the ball out of his hand, and you can see Blake Snell is very upset. He's dropping, uh, he's dropping some curse words, and I can understand his frustration. He pitched a near-perfect game, giving up, I think, two hits. As I said, neither of them hard hit, so I can really understand his frustration. And then the Rays' bullpen would go on to give up three runs, and that's just that's it's tough for them because you'll never know what the correct uh, decision was. Maybe Blake Snell would have end, ended the inning fine, or maybe he would have given up a given up those three runs either way. But one thing, I actually first I'll go to you guys. What what are your guys' opinions on Blake Snell's performance and him being pulled out a little early? Yes, Campbell, that was definitely a very pivotal point in the game. Um, I think that no one will really know, like you said, whether that was actually the correct decision because all season long and for the past few years, that has been the race game plan. Their game plan is their starter pitches six innings, faces the batter two full times, and then they hand it over to the bullpen. And that's how their organization is run. Their organization is run by analytics and computers and all that information. And in the biggest spot, you know, they use uh, what they got here. And, you know, they got to the World Series doing that, so you can't blame them for sticking with what they do best. But at that moment, I think you have to realize uh, with your own two eyes that this guy is pitching lights out, and he'd only given up two hits. And while the top of the order was coming up, and that's probably the best four hitters uh, in terms of a top of the order, the best top four in the league uh, at the moment, but... They were combined, I think, zero for eight against Snell. And I think there were six total strikeouts among those four. And just for example, I mean, right when Nick Anderson, the reliever, came in, Mookie Betts doubled off him. And Mookie Betts had a significantly worse batting average against lefties than righties uh, this season. So I think that it was definitely a very questionable move by Kevin Cash. When you see your, your star pitcher, your ace, pitching like that I think you just have to keep uh letting him go I mean maybe if Mookie gets hit off him then you can maybe bring him in but I I don't think there was enough reasoning other than just the analytics uh that that they think that work and it backfired on them and I think that this shows that you know the Rays while they are a very good team and they're an analytics uh driven organization at some point you just have to um realize like with your own two eyes in real time and manage the game in real time not have a set plan before coming into it because things can change on the fly and the analytics uh don't account for that and there's no stat that says how good someone is in the moment until that moment is over and the stats show that Blake Snell was dominating and there's just uh no reason to take him out 
in my opinion, at that situation. And at at, uh, at the end of the uh, game, the Dodgers hitters were interviewed, uh, and they were all, uh, very jubilant that Blake Snell came out of the game because they were finally able to get some hits and score the winning runs. Yeah, I mean, Blake Snell was obviously pissed off that he had to come out of the game, understandably so. I mean, he was pitching basically lights out, gave up only two hits. I mean, against the Dodgers team, that's everyone's basically good. And so Kevin Cash's reasoning was that the heart of that Dodgers lineup was coming in. He didn't want Blake Snell to suffer through there. He's pitched so well through those first innings. I mean, like, I, I get it, but it personally, watching the game, it made no sense. Like, you don't take him out when he's seen these pitchers before. Or, I mean, he's seen these batters before, and he knows how to pitch to them, and he's pitching lights out. You don't take him out there. But you know what? Kevin Cash did what he did. They lost the game, and that's what happened. Cody Ballinger, like you said, Andrew, said after the game that people in the Dodgers dugout were laughing with and happy that he was coming out because they realized they had a chance. I mean, they had a chance to win the World Series right here. I mean, they were only down by one run there but i mean they couldn't get a hit off of blake snell i mean he was just he was pitching crazy so yeah blake snell just a great outing overall just he's definitely he was an al cy young a couple years ago and he's still a very very good pitcher and i think that once again he's gonna be the ace for the rays going into next year i see no reason why he isn't he pitched to the best lineup in baseball and didn't give up a run, but got taken out, and his team lost the game. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, obviously, uh, Blake Snell did literally everything he could have done for this Rays team in this game. Um, but one thing I found pretty funny was all year talking to Andrew. Andrew knows a lot, a lot more about baseball than I do. I was just saying, I really think the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. And Andrew's saying, I don't know, can their bullpen hold up? And in this game, game six, when Tony Gonsolin gave up, like, I think three or four early hits through an inning and a half, we already saw the Dodgers bullpen warming up and they pitched the last eight and one third innings and they looked really, really good. They really, the bullpen in this game won this game for us and inevitably won the World Series. So I just thought that was really interesting that the Dodgers downfall in the past couple of years ended up winning them this World Series. Yeah, Campbell, that has been the uh, recipe for failure for the Dodgers in past years, the bullpen. Um, but this year, uh, uh, the story was rewritten in a better way for the Dodgers, obviously. I mean, eight, a little over eight shutout innings to close the game. And um, everyone contributed. And they, uh, a lot of those guys are young, uh, guys like Victor Gonzalez and uh, Julio Urias with the three-inning save and Bruce Sargrado. All those guys are going to be around for a while and they're going to be very good and they um they picked up uh, the slack cuz Gonsolin did not have his best stuff and they really I mean they really just put the race hitters on lock I mean when they came in the game I don't think the race got more than a couple hits um the Dodgers bullpen really they proved everyone wrong and I think that that is definitely something you need to win a world series pitching is definitely the most important part of winning world series um and the Dodgers they their pitching came to play and that's definitely a big reason why they won. Julio Rios was really, really good throughout this whole postseason. I mean, he started a couple of games. He came into a bunch and got a bunch of saves and a couple of wins. So, yeah, this man going into next season, he's one of the most valuable assets for the Dodgers. We can't doubt that. So, yeah, this team 
once again, going into next year, is going to be a title contender. They're going to defend their title, and we'll see what they can do. Yeah, also another thing to know about the Dodgers is they do have a few free agents. Uh, Justin, Turner, Justin Turner is still looming what he's going to do. Jock Peterson, Kike Hernandez, key uh, pieces to their bench depth and starters at times for the Dodgers. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but the main core still there, obviously, as you guys mentioned earlier in the podcast, Mookie's there for 11 more years. So they still got him. And Seager is a free agent in 2021, so they'll resign him eventually, uh, I assume. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Dodgers can repeat next year. And talking about another big headline to end this series. I mean, Justin Turner tested positive for the coronavirus in the middle of Game 6. He did go out after the game ended to celebrate with his teammates, and he did take off his mask when they knew he tested positive. So I, we, we all really hope that that doesn't turn into something bigger. We hope he's okay. We hope the rest of the Dodgers don't get the virus, but we don't have enough information to really talk about that right now. But we're just hoping that everyone is safe, everyone ends up okay, and yeah. Okay, now we'll move on to the 24-second shot clock segment. And today's question is going to be, which team next season has the best chances of beating the Dodgers in the postseason? First, we'll start with Tyler. 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Okay, I know everyone's going to call me biased, but I'm actually going to go with the San Diego Padres. I think with an improved starting pitching group and good relievers and a pretty good closer and Kirby Yates and Drew Pomerantz and a great starting lineup with Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis, and a bunch of others. I think that they definitely have a chance to overtake the Dodgers in this division. I don't know if they can win this division, but I definitely they can think they can challenge the Dodgers and potentially even beat them. Now we'll move on to Andrew, 24 seconds on the clock, starting now. Okay, well, this might seem a little biased as well, but I think the Yankees have the best chance to contend uh, against the uh, Dodgers um, their lineup is just insane uh, they were super inconsistent this year so I think they can stay healthy for the full season stay consistent and also they need to make some moves in free agency maybe trade some guys get a little better bullpen and another good starting pitcher but I think if um, they just play more consistently good baseball then they're the greatest challenger to the Dodgers all right good answer uh, Andrew do you want to time me 24 seconds on the clock starting now So in my opinion, I think the Dodgers themselves have the best chances of beating the Dodgers next season. It doesn't matter the opponent. I think it's all going to come down to the Dodgers uh, management. Dave Roberts made some pretty poor decisions, and the Dodgers players themselves also had some pretty bad errors, including that game, game four error, which we all talked about earlier. So I think the Dodgers have the best lineup in the MLB by a lot, and I think they're the only team that can stop themselves with mental errors and just bad team chemistry overall. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening in. Follow us on Twitter at ATBuzzerPodcast and the platform you're listening on today to make sure you never miss another episode. Stay tuned in for our next episode next Sunday. Thank you.